so, are you curious? I am your ardent enthusiast, Kyle Olson. Our conversation with Mandy Fabian continues. Here, we'll discuss what a Hollywood party is like, including going to an Emmy party. Then we get into writing, where we compare notes on how to take notes on your script. But first, we'll talk about moving from New York to L.A. Chapter 4. Mansion Food. Okay, so uh, let's see. When last we left, uh, you had uh, left the Big Apple and headed out for the city where dreams come true. (laughs) (laughs) Hollywood, California. It was like eight years or something after I had been there and said, I'm going to move to L.A. And I went back to New York to just get my things. And then eight years later, I finally did move to L.A. Um, George O'Donnell finally let you go. Yeah. yeah. So was it a job that that brought you out or was it just like enough is enough? I got to go. I will tell you. Well, I can tell you the exact moment. Um, I was walking my dog back from Central Park and but towards my apartment and I could see the sunset. It was this like gorgeous, gorgeous sunset. And I just like it's it stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, oh, oh, my God, look at the sky. And then I realized that the sky was like this big, like an inch. (laughs) It was like an inch strip between these two really tall buildings. And I was like, oh, that's a problem. I love the sky and I can never see it because I live in a city. And it really was that was a moment where I was like, you know what? I may have more job security in New York. I had a great career doing voiceover in New York. I'd done the whole, you know, quit waitressing and was a full time actress. And it was a big leap. I got a it was a big Mm -hmm. leap. Um, I don't think I had agents that were representing wow. me for acting at the time. So it was like a real like, wow. Uh, but that sky, you know, that was enough. Yeah. And I thought, what's the worst that could happen? Like, you know. <laughs> really? Well, I mean. Because I could think of a lot of worse things that could happen from that scenario. You know, that's how life is. Like when you're 20, you know, you're 20 oh, yeah, gra- and one and you graduate college, you're like, I'm either going to get a job or I'm going to have to move back in with my parents or yeah. I'll figure or I'll have to move. It, I'll have to be a nanny. I mean, like I'll have to f- you just have to figure it out. And right. so I was at that point where I was like, well, I can either stay where I don't really want to live anymore or I could go to California and see what happens, you know. And yeah. so I chose. Well, yeah. Choose L.A. Yeah. So as Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote, ain't no Cassiopeia in Washington Heights. So. <laughs> Tis true. Nice. Nice. Yeah, so, so, so did you like get a car, like pack up all your stuff in a U-Haul and go across? Or did you just like, ah, I'm going to sell all this crap and then just fly? I'm trying to remember. I think mostly all the crap was, was uh, sold. Or did I pack up a truck? No, I must have packed up a truck. Jeez. I didn't pack up a truck right away. Okay. Oh, it was actually... Yeah. Well, I I had a breakup. It's a process. Yeah, yeah. I had a breakup. So oh. now that now that I'm remembering, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now that I'm remembering, um I came so we don't, first. We don't have to dig into it. No, no, no. I, no, that, no, so. no. It's not at all. It was but yeah. So I I drove with a friend of mine, uh uh Brady Kazar, who who we packed up my car and we packed the trunk as tight as we could and we drove oh, yeah. to Los Angeles and then yes, my ex ended up Packing some furniture, we kind of split the furniture and sent some stuff on a on a moving truck for me. 
Um, but you know, it was it worked out. Like I found a really it was really fun. I found a little two story um, bungalow. Like and you know, I came from New York, right? So you have a postage right. stamp that's like two thousand dollars a month. Yeah. And in LA, for you know, at the time, I think it was like thirteen hundred dollars. It was like a two story, two bedroom little duplex apartment thing with like a dishwasher and a washer dryer and it was like your own oh my god so you weren't sharing it with everybody else no it was i mean i had a roommate but it was like wow that is kind of epic that you you know the rent the rent was so much cheaper in la (laughs) yeah Um, and space yeah i moved i lived in a friend's bungalow he was out of town doing a play so i lived in his place for a while and then i found my own apartment and and I and I just got started. And luckily, the the agents, the voiceover agents that I had in New York, they also had huh. an office in L.A. Nice. So, oh, so you could go in and record stuff. Yeah. So you were still so I, doing what? So what kind of stuff are you doing? More commercials? Totally, commercials. Okay. And then I did a little bit of like a lot. Well, I, you know, I came from the promo world, right, Rosie O'Donnell. Right. So right. I actually was supposed to do the Ellen Show. Oh, okay. Um, and then I that is, that is a natural move. Yeah. Um, it was like a the same company that had worked with me on Rosie. They were mm-hmm. looking for an announcer for Ellen. And I remember it was the weirdest thing. I drove to the lot. You know, I got a drive on and everything. And I was supposed to go mm-hmm. meet Ellen or meet the people Ooh, who were going to hire on. me yeah. for Ellen. And I went and I waited. And they were telling me kind of what I was going to do. And I was like, OK, OK, OK. And I sat there for a couple hours. And then they came out and they were like, OK, well, you can go. I hadn't spoken or met anyone, <laughs> and I guess it was a mistake. Like, it was they were just getting started, so I don't know what happened, but they it just didn't happen, which is really funny because it was sort of my like, oh, that's a guarantee. I'm definitely gonna meet Ellen and be the sure. announcer of Ellen, and then I just wasn't. Yeah. Um, huh. But I still had, you know, we were. I did a bunch of other commercials and things like that. But it was it was weird. It was definitely, you know, none of my regular agents were there. And, and in New York, I was right. like buddies with all of them. And I had already proven myself, you know, I was a big booker. And then I come out to LA and I'm like, oh, I'm not a big booker yet. So. Right. Well, yeah. So so how do you start finding out what the auditions and stuff are? Because I mean, like you don't have, is it variety? I mean, or like you don't have the same kind of uh, well, like list that you do in New York. For voiceover, for voiceover, uh-huh. you have an agent that knows about all okay. the auditions. There's uh, okay. there now there's websites. These days there's websites you can go and find people who are looking for, you know, like, you know, if a small westernware store in Kansas wants a voice, you know, they yeah. they'll put um something on like voices.com. I I forget I don't know what the names of the websites are, but there's places where you can be an indie voiceover person and go find jobs. But when I moved to LA, that was not the case. Um right. in fact, it was only it was like maybe a year after then that people started doing their own home studios so that you could audition from home. Yeah. That was a new exciting thing because then you didn't have to drive, you know, uh, 45 minutes across town and then wait for two and a half hours while they had every person in the agency come in and do their six or seven pages of copy and chat in the booth. So it was like, yeah. not that I'm complaining. I you was, were probably still recording to media then. I wouldn't think that you were like transmitting it because it's a lot of data. I don't remember. the early days of the internet. They were just, no, they were just megabytes. It wasn't. It wasn't, okay. but it was like flash drives and CDs. Yeah. You had to, you know, you transferred sure. things on CDs and DVD-ROMs. Oh, yeah. Remember those? Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was all, I remember I could ask somebody to email me a spot if I did it. Okay. Um, but it was, I, it was interesting because I think it was a real, it wasn't as much fun. 
Uh-huh. In New York, it was a lot of fun because we were there were like 60 of us that were all auditioning for everything all the time. So you'd go yeah. into a waiting room and it'd be like a party. Yeah. And I never really had that in L.A. Huh. I mean, it, sometimes you'd see people that you like, but it was weirdly isolating. And because people had to drive so far, a lot of people did stuff in their booth. And so I, this is the most boring. Isn't this isn't this boring? <laughs> no. Uh, so, I mean, it's because you've, you've obviously you've picked up and moved multiple times at this point. Yeah. So like when you when you pick a move, how, how do you find your people? Right. Like because I mean you by the time you left New York you you were doing improv I mean you yep. were doing like sketch comedy you were, you had a little group that you were doing stuff with yeah how do you start doing that in a town where you know three four people I mean I, I sorry, or I'm I'm guessing or do you well, do you actually have a lot more people that you had known because of well when the it, business when it comes from when it comes to moving to L A from New York you yeah. you are going to know a lot of people because. A lot of people, the people that I knew in New York were in the entertainment business. And so the ones I knew had moved out to L.A. to pursue the entertainment business. (laughs) One of the few people I did know was uh, Mandy Kaplan. Oh, yeah. Now Mm -hmm. Mandy Clavins. Um, That's right. uh, And she was really like we had sort of barely knew each other in New York. And it wasn't until I moved to L.A. that we were like, oh, we should be really good friends. Um, And. But so I had like a few people that I had done shows with that had moved out here that had kind of forged ahead. Um, And I connected with them. And then, you know, they introduce you to their friends. You know, it was you go to parties. It was I don't know. You just sort of I found weirdos and I love weirdos. and, (laughs) And when you're in that creative community, everybody's like excited to play. You know what I mean? In life and in art. So you find people, you strike up a funny conversation. Inevitably, somebody's doing a stand-up show or a music show or an improv show, right? And you're always all doing stuff. So it's not really, if you're not self-conscious or if you're not afraid of meeting people, it's easy to meet people because, you know, I, I went and did, I think I did like a... I did an improv class at Upright Citizens Brigade. I had done that in okay. New York, too. I did uh, comedy shows because I played guitar and I sang funny songs. And so I got into that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I played a funny song at a party and a guy was like, hey, can you do 45 minutes of that? And I started. <laughs> I was like, sure. And by the way, I could not. I knew like three songs. <laughs> of course. But you say yes. Oh, my God. I said yes. And then I was desperate. I was like, can anybody find somebody who can play guitar? Because I can only play these three songs. So. I was just, you know, you, you've heard my story. I'm basically yeah. just ridiculous. I say yes to things, and then I go, how am I going to do this? Um, but that's what I did. And so I was playing music, and I was meeting people that way, yeah. and then doing a little bit of comedy. I think I did a couple comedy shows. I, I knew a couple. There was a playwright I met at um, mm. at the my voiceover agency, and he had a play that I was a part of. So, I, okay. you know, it's one of those things, if you do it, and you're around people doing it, inevitably you're going to figure out a way to work together. Kind of. Right. So so then next pilot season rolls around. Yep. And then, like, you basically go through the, the system again? Like, Well, no. No? Okay. No, because I, uh, um, well, be, yeah, because I wasn't, I didn't have... Did I? Oh, God. I had a bunch of, like, nightmare stories. Like, I met a manager who was like, you're the tops, kid. Uh, I, you're going to, I'm going to take you. you I, I got a manager. And then yeah. I went out. Uh, she wanted me to meet these casting directors and these people. So she invited me to this hotel to have, like, drinks by the pool and meet, meet, okay. meet a, a big 
big deal casting director. And I think it was when I was driving her Mercedes to her house so because she was too drunk to stand up <laughs> that I thought, I, I don't know. And I think she invited me up for like a nightcap kind of thing. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, this is not a good situation. Um, mm-hmm. So I ended up dropping her off and leaving her car there and taking a cab back to Hollywood and then rethinking my strategy. Um, yeah. But it was kind of a weird... Um, you know, it's a, I I didn't I didn't find an agent. I don't know if I looked that hard because mm. I was also I had been so used to things just sort of happening to me, like by doing what sure. I do. Right. Oh, I'm doing theater. I'm doing comedy. I'm doing shows right. like obviously somebody's got to go. She should have a television show um, that <laughs> oddly it's enough, just a matter of time. you're hanging out in Schwab's all the time and they're just not discovering you. You know, what's really interesting. And I just discovered this recently. I know that sounds so silly. Like when I when I think of it now, I'm like, that's ridiculous. You you really <laughs> like that's a crazy thing. But I really thought that I was just like, duh. It, I think it was like maybe six months ago when I was like, wait a minute, I'm not Jennifer Aniston. Like <laughs> I just was always like, it'll happen, it'll happen, it'll happen. You know? Okay. So so then what at this point? So what do you do at that point? Yeah. No, well, what is it? Like what right. is it that you? Like like you're you're working, which is great. Yep. Like you're 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 paying your yep, bills, making money but as an actor. What is it like? So are you a movie star, like sitcom star? Yeah. Like what what is it that you had your eye on that you like wanted to say like oh that's that's when I'll make it. You know, for me, I think it would have been that. It would have been it would okay. it would have been probably sitcom. Okay. I would have died to do like multi camera sitcom stuff, um, yeah. but but that stuff really is tricky to do. You either have to have an agent who's going to push, you know, introduce you to all the casting people and not a sure. voiceover agent. So there's a commercial agent that does, hey, I'm going to introduce you to the people who put you in a tide spot and then, okay. and then voiceover, like, I'm going to introduce you to the people who will record your voice for a tide spot and then there's sure. the on camera you, you probably know this stuff but then there's the on camera no no i think I, this this is kind of what i wanted to get okay. into because i mean yeah. I, I like i think you know for people who don't know the business as well yeah they call it in new york they called it commercial and legit and in uh, la oh. they call it commercial and theatrical so theatrical oh, is like okay. movies and television and all that stuff okay and i never got theatrical representation. I I oh. just didn't I, like I was it was one of those things for me because of my style which um <laughs> is super inefficient I realize now but I was having so much fun I guess I I was like well my style was oh someone will discover me. Um I probably could have sent out more, you know, headshots or asked around and be like hey, will you introduce me? I know people do that and that's very successful yeah. for them. Uh that was never my that was never my style. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so I wasn't really auditioning for pilots and things. I, every so often I would get an audition from okay. someone saw me in a show or someone recommended me or I met somebody at a party and they would bring me in. But it would I mean, I'd have like I, I did. I just didn't audition that much theatrically. I'm just kind of curious. What is a Hollywood L.A. party like? <laughs> like, I mean, like you've socialized. it. I mean, like it, there's that. You know, you see it's in La La Land, you know, of like there's these beautiful people just milling around. But I I guess as 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 someone who doesn't do the social thing as well, I I always look at that and go, but what are you doing? Oh, my God, you would be so good. (laughs) 
You would do. I don't know if that's true. You would. You would do so well at an LA party. The secret to any LA party, which you have okay. in spades, so I'm I'm going to tell you why you would thrive. Okay. You just ask people about themselves. Oh. <laughs> Okay. I mean, if you want to rock that's, a Los that's Angeles, that's some Dale Carnegie stuff, right absolutely. there. Absolutely. Oh, where are you from? Oh, really? When did you come to LA? How did you become a sound mixer? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And did you always know you wanted to do that? And what are your parents like? And is that your girlfriend? I, oh, will she stay your girlfriend? Oh, you know, like all of it. I suppose because like nobody's like from LA, right? So you always start with there. Yeah. Like, where'd you come from? There, you know, it's funny. There are plenty of people from LA. Most of them okay. grew up in the valley. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which I think is really funny. And, and a lot of times, their their parents weren't even in entertainment, which I think is interesting. But um, huh. no, but there's a lot of transplants here, and 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 it really, what I love about LA, it's a huge city, right? Like. There actually sure. are people here who aren't in the entertainment business, even though some people right. would argue that fact. Um, <laughs> Everybody's got a screenplay, right? Yeah, right. But there's a big diversity of interest and cultures and and yeah. wealth levels and what people well, do sure. for fun, right? So yeah. an L.A. party could be like a stupid backyard barbecue to meet me at the L.A. Marathon to a dive bar. You know, it's like... It could be, like I said, there was a lot of social that's around going to somebody's comedy show or going, you know, that kind of stuff. But, like, you know, they used to have crazy, like, they're very creative people. So you'd have, like, Halloween, epic Halloween parties where, like, not, I mean, I once had a party, like a housewarming party. And my friend, my very best friend and and agent, um, she, my voiceover agent, she brought all her friends and they all came dressed in, like, prom gear. It, <laughs> okay. But you just for fun. But because why not? Because it was like a Thursday. I mean it like they're that's what I mean. They're all like they were all set designers and kind of like freaks and geeks kind of thing. And they just they would just dress up like that because why not? They decided to go to yeah. Goodwill, they thought it would be funny. So I mean, a lot of these are theater kids gone big. Totally. And it, and you know, there's a lot so it's it's filled with like that kind of thing. Like I so there would be like little house parties with weird themes and Things like that. And then, you know, as you meet different kinds of people, then there's also like, oh, a Hollywood party where it's in a giant mansion and there's a valet. Oh. And yeah, I was going to ask about that, too. Like, the, the, you do you feel the strata? Uh, like you're hanging out in somebody's apartment and then suddenly you're at a mansion. I think it definitely um, that was surprising. Like getting do, going to the mansions at first was very intimidating because <laughs> you're a little bit like, oh, my God. Like, how do people live like this? <laughs> like, I, I shouldn't touch that vase. Yeah. That probably is worth more than I make in a year. <laughs> uh, just just the, the op, opulence of it. Is that the right word? Like, yeah. just the, oh, my yeah. God, that pool is so beautiful. And look at those chairs and like. And and there's four of them. How do they? What, this is the. How do they? Why do they need all this house for four people? But it's great. You know what I mean? And and we yeah. used to call it mansion food. To be like, oh, let's go to that party. Oh. There's going to be mansion food, free and excellent, and like all kind, all different you know, tables strewn with, you know, like kind of medieval feast kind of situation. Like just wow. Yeah, the most incredible food, or it's getting passed to you, or there's always an open bar. Like it's. It, it there's cater waiters there's like it's nice <laughs> it's really nice so to is be, that a, is that a you know somebody who knew somebody who got you in to a mansion party yeah for sure 
Yeah. Okay. It's always you have a friend who knows somebody. But that's the thing about Los Angeles, right? Like, yeah, people know. And people. and I I suppose the same as in New York. I don't, I never knew rich people in New York. Well, I knew one rich person in New York, but really, ever even if you were made like quite a bit of money, you were still yeah. middle class in New York. You know, like right. Um, right. <laughs> but but in in LA, and there's that weird thing of television is big money, right? If if somebody yeah. hit the jackpot, it's mansion money. And yeah. and that's where all the business really was at the time. And so that's where all the big mansion money was, you know? And so now, would you know whose mansion you were in? Not always. Okay. But uh, it's not like, you know, I didn't go like cruising for ragers or anything. No, but, no. Yeah, I know. But but yeah, no, I uh generally sometimes you you would hear like you know, like, oh, so and so he's a showrunner for okay. such and such, you know. So sure. they're definitely or studio executives, like whatever showrunner mansions, maybe actors sometimes, okay. you know, just people who've just been in the business for a long time, producers, and they get, if an actor gets, you know, a series regular on a network show for five to seven years, that's huge mansion money. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. And a acreage and horses, you know. <laughs> yeah. For their first home. Yeah, so that's, you would sort of know sometimes. And then I have actually, I remember I went to this party one time, and it was crazy. There was uh, Steve, um, oh, God, his last name is, I'm blanking on his last name, but I was such a huge fan. He, he did Modern Family. Uh, oh, Levitan? Yeah, Steve Levitan was there. Yeah. And that was oh, a wow. thing where, like, it was one of our friends who happened to be friends with him, and we went to yeah. John Ritter's wife's house and okay. we're sitting there with the Ritters and then Steve Levitan and then a bunch of like people very recognizable TV personalities and and every other person that I met was like oh you won an Oscar and you run this show and you ran that show and it was like you know I, I was sitting there and I was yeah. I actually remember that moment because I was really freaked out <laughs> I mean I was really for the first time kind of like how do you talk to people like that this is like the royalty yeah. of the business um, but then, yeah. I kinda, you know, I figured it out that they're just people mm. and right. and you just you, and by the way, if you're there, I mean, I, I'm I was invited too. it's not like I crashed the party and, and I'm passing out my resume, you know, yes. so it was like <laughs> it was it was a really interesting Can I pitch you something right, right now. <laughs> That's what I mean, like everybody's just a person. So you you very easily find yourself at a bar or a concert or a restaurant or a party with someone who is like gigantically famous and that's just how it ends up being you know eventually your paths are probably going to cross because it's hmm. it that's just what this town is which so that does make it kind of fun i was never super i was always a little intimidated by that again though i was all i was intimidated because i was like hang on i'll get to know you better once i'm jennifer aniston because I, I don't know if you know this, but it's going to happen any second. Yeah, I'm going to be. I'm about to be huge. Just so you know, I'm going to be a like comedic genius. Just but you just yeah. you wait. I mean, you know, we've been to a bunch of Emmy parties too, and oh. those are crazy. Those are a little bit more. So yeah, those happen like on the night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So like everybody watching it together. Uh, oh no, I meant like actually going to the Emmys. Oh, going to the Emmys. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's something that I have gotten to do, not because that's of a... my work, but because of the man <laughs> I'm married to. He is on a show that was getting nominated for Emmys, so I've gotten to go to the Emmys so, a few times. Do you remember your first one? I do. So what, okay, so obviously going to the Emmys, we'll, we'll talk about that too, but like, since we're on parties, like, what 
how, uh, what is the difference in the energy? Like when you go into seeing the most famous people dressed up in the most expensive clothes, carrying trophies around. Wow. It's how do you keep your head? Well, at, by that time, I'd gotten so used to being surrounded by these people. OK. And I had sure. really by that time, I'd really found my center as like a writer and a director. And I got a little more, yeah. you know, like so. So you're yeah. So you you weren't you didn't have any imposter syndrome. I did not have imposter up. syndrome. Like you're like I'm I'm supposed to be here. Well yeah, and I was married to a guy who had been nominated. Sure. So it was right. it made you know it, that's a really great way to go. It's like oh yeah. wow you know <laughs> we we actually were invited to this, um, and and it's such a rare invitation that like it's this very cool. This is one of the things I love about Los Angeles. Number one. Okay. To your point earlier, that everyone yeah. is so beautiful. When I first right. moved to LA and I was like newly single, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I, like, I got a gym membership at the YMCA, like just the local gym. And I would go, yeah. not because I like to work out, but just because I couldn't stop looking at everybody. I was like, this is, who cares if I ever get a job or make any money or be successful? Because I could just stay at this really affordable gym and just look at beautiful people all day. <laughs> <laughs> a great incentive to work out. It's And the thing, you walk into a restaurant in L.A. because nobody, you know people, you know the famous people, but also sure. nobody knows. I could be a giant, you know, develop ex development executive at Warner Brothers. Like, I could be right. a showrunner of a show they don't know about, and I could hire them, or I could right. be the, you know, they don't know. So there's this yeah. really interesting phenomenon in L.A. where everybody looks, really looks at everybody. And they, oh. and they really, until they find out that maybe... <laughs> You're not somebody in a way, uh -huh. uh, you know, but like they really look, they really kind of like there's this constant like you're allowed to look. And I like that. Huh. It's this, so when you're okay. at this Emmy party, that's it has kind of yeah. the same vibe. It's like, well, you're at the Emmys. Yeah. So you're treated like royalty. I mean, every person who goes there like helped out of their car and you get drivers and. I mean, they give you a they give you a driver. They hand you water the minute you get out of the car. They make sure you have things to eat. They put you in shade if you're if you're getting hot. They like it's they have snacks. So they have places where you can. It's it's amazing. They're it's incredible. So did you did you get starstruck by anybody? Oh, or were you sort of like, or, or, or were you sort of past that? No, that no, no. I'm not. Oh. not starstruck like. <laughs> There was one awkward moment where somebody was like, Mandy, Mandy. And I I turn around and I'm like, oh, God, somebody knows me. How exciting. And I'm like waving and looking at this woman who's clearly coming in my direction. And she walks right past me right and I turn around you. and oh. it's Mandy Patinkin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah. know, if you've got to lose out to Inigo Montoya, then. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then there was one time when I was at an Emmy party and um, we were we were standing. We, we had found the one location in the party where there seemed to be like an empty couch and my feet hurt because mm. that's classic Emmy material for me. Like, sure. You have to wear those shoes all day. Come on. Anyway, right. um, you do. You, you start getting ready at like 11 in the morning and then you were out until three in the morning. It's crazy. But wow. so we're at this Emmy party and there's this empty couch and we're sort of leaning against it and chatting and thinking maybe we'll go home soon. And. All of a sudden, um, Phoebe Waller-Jones and her entire flea bag entourage come in and make wow. a beeline for us 
and sit down on the couches and chairs that we're like lounging on the back of. And it was this amazing thing because that was the year she won all the Emmys. Right. And we're just sitting there like as if we've been invited into their group. And I'm like, just I'm just listening to them. Like I, Patrick is like, All right, do you still want to leave? Do you want to stay? I was like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Not now. I'm very happy. I am going to just watch this like the show. I mean, it was all I, yeah. I was. I love that show so much. So watching them, you know, it was such a like, oh, stars are just like us. Look, at he's he's <laughs> drinking a drink just like I would out of the same cup. You know, Phoebe's feet hurt too. Phoebe smokes. Isn't that charming and British? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. Did you did you actually ever say anything? Yeah, actually, you know what? I'm very proud to say that um, I, before her show was a giant, massive hit. Oh, this is another mm-hmm. thing I got to do. I get to do fun stuff. I have very successful friends, and I get to do fun stuff. So my friend Dan was in a Steven Spielberg movie. Oh, okay. And the, do you remember what Steven Spielberg movie? Yeah, it was The Post. Oh, The Post. Okay, yeah. got it. So I and I had seen it obviously, and then we went to this after party of like it was like at the Chateau Marmont, this like room that Steven I guess had rented or the producers, I don't know. And it was kind of a suite, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. we were it was that was a, that was the one where you're like, oh my god, there's like, you know, maybe. 50 of us and that's Jennifer Lawrence and that's like you know and and it was so so there were super superstars there right like Catherine Hahn was there yeah. I'm trying to think oh, nice. oh it was just and Meryl Streep was there I yeah. think George Clooney was there Matt Damon was there like there were it was Spielberg right so it just right. everybody was there um Bob Odenkirk was there like there were just a bunch yeah. of people and it was kind of a great moment because I knew who Phoebe Waller-Bridge was but other people she hadn't quite caught on yet okay and so there she was at the buffet just like hanging out and i made a beeline for her and i was like oh my god i love you i love your stuff (laughs) and she was so happy because you know here we are at a steven spielberg party she is the least famous person there only above me (laughs) and i'm like i know who you are you're amazing and she was like oh and so we chatted for a little bit and that was fun wow that's super cool now we're when you're in that situation, are you able to like talk at a professional link? I mean, I have I have lost my cool around some famous people. I've been really cool with some people, yeah. and then some people I just like your brain goes crazy. Like you just basically your adrenaline starts flowing, and you're just like, I don't know what's happening to my mouth right now. Yep, yeah. <laughs> That's um. Well, I'll tell you, it it it's hard to uh, connect if you feel like. If you can't put yourself on equal footing, right. you know what I mean? If you're like, oh, my God, you're so amazing and I'm such a loser, that's then yeah. the best you can do is like, how about those crab cakes? Right. Uh-huh. And it's not entertaining and you feel shame just by standing in their presence. And that's never fun. Um, the right. one most successful um, time I ever had at a party where I d- had experienced none of that was the one time that um, my husband God bless him. And he will admit to this day, this was a terrible, terrible thing he did to me. <laughs> it was a night before the Emmy party. And he was like, okay. I, I, I had a, like a, sun, a dress on. And he came and he's like, oh, babe, no, no, no. I think it's casual. Like the, the, the invitation says casual. There's not even going to be a red carpet. So you don't need to. I think you're overdressed. And I was like, oh, casual. Hmm. Like what? Like, and then he goes, well, jeans and boots, you know. 
And I was like, jeans and boots? I said, but honey, I'm a girl. And he's like, really, honestly, <laughs> it's fine. So long story short, as a, a perfect storm of checking in with exactly the wrong people of like, is it a jeans and boots party, whatever? And they all not unknowingly confirmed what was totally wrong. And so I throw on a shirt from Target and jeans and flip-flops and my Wonder Woman bag and go to an Emmy party because he said casual. Yeah. And we walk in and I can tell you that even the people who were checking people in were in black cocktail dresses. <laughs> so then I'm in the party Walking in my flip-flops and my Wonder Woman bag and my jeans. And Patrick is behind me and he's like, oh, oh God, oh God. And I'm going, oh, what, what is happening? What's happening? And he goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? We can go home. And I was like, no, 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 we're here. It's fine. It doesn't matter. I'm not nominated. It's fine. I'm just in jeans. It's fine. And But, but what was so great is the truth is... That was the best party I've ever been to. Oh, <laughs> okay. Because I was the girl in jeans. I had nothing. Uh-huh. I, there was no pretense. There was no like, hey, I'm super special or rich or the most beautiful person here. Yeah. Everybody talked to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I chatted with Nat Baxson and Vince Gilligan. And I chatted with like Ron Howard and Brian Grazer. Like, I I mean, wow. Louis C.K. was there. I did not chat with him. But but okay. like he was the only person dressed as shitty as I was. And, <laughs> Everybody. I I, 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 ch- I I chatted with everybody. It was, like, great because I had nothing to lose. I mean, right? Wow. There was no pretense. There was no way. I don't know. Yeah, you couldn't put in any airs because like, you, you just exactly. had to be you. There was nothing to hide behind. All I had was, like, hi, I'm a person. You're a person. What are you up to? I had already, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, like, such a weird, fun experiment, and it really taught me something about that. Like, don't ever try to be something that you're not. Wow. Don't don't. Say, There's no point. You weren't quite you weren't quite Elle Woods showing up, at, you know, in the bunny costume, <laughs> but it was probably similar. <laughs> but I'd say I I give you a lot of credit. Like I think I think a lot of people, as soon as they looked in, they would have just flipped right around and gone right back out. But you know, again, have I clearly my life path is not about like what people are going to think of me. <laughs> or whatever, I don't know. Like, I guess falling on my ass and hey, I'm a little bit like, well, this looks like a tragedy. Let's walk right in and see what happens. You know, it. I, you know, I'm not gonna. I I hate. I don't. I hate to backtrack more than I hate embarrassing myself at a party. Let's do this. You know. <laughs> and okay, it, so. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. It was fun. It turned out to be really fun. What was the first thing you sort of booked where you felt like, I'm on my way. Like you're working, you're doing, you're going, you're paying bills, but yep. like, did you, did you ever, did you get something where you were like, all right, now this is where it starts? Well, I, it's interesting. Like I, I got to work on, I mean, I, I, my first thing I really booked, well, no, that's not true. I did a web series called Dropping the Soap that I wrote. Ah, okay. So there we go. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that transition yeah. then too. So, at what point did then you start going, well, no, I'm not getting anything, so now I'm going to start creating stuff for myself? I mean, you you, yeah. you have that in your history. Yep. Like, you've, you've been writing for yourself since you were a teenager. Yep. I, yep. But, but then you've been doing other people's words now. So what was it that, that made you go, now it's time? So I had been doing this, making music videos and... Um, 
and I did a you know I I did all the stuff just that, stuff with friends like just like get creative people together and let's throw something together and make a thing or like I had a song I had an idea for a video I'd give my my camera to my friend Lorenzo be like come with me and then he would shoot me singing it in weird places in different costumes and stuff and then I would edit and then I would post okay. it on YouTube. Oh, okay. So this is this is during the YouTube yeah. era. Yes. Okay. Um, and you uh, just just as a as a uh, tech nerd, what were you editing on? Uh, Final Cut Pro. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Fancy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, no iMovie for you. Ooh, I can't understand <laughs> iMovie. It's weird. I <laughs> I could do Final Cut and then I could do Adobe Premiere, but I okay. but no, I can't. I don't get iMovie. I, people do great things with it, but it's not for me. Um, okay. But so so yeah. So I would I would I would did all these music videos, and I was already sort yeah. of transition transitioning into the creator part of it. Like, okay. I wasn't really. I don't, you know, it's just one of those things like your path. Like I wasn't getting an agent. I wasn't getting drawn right. into audition. I wasn't getting those opportunities. So I was making my own opportunities and sort of just going, right. I don't know, this feels good. Okay, this feels good. All right, I'll do this. And I just kept doing what felt good. And then it sort of led one thing to another of starting to write my own stuff. Like I wrote my first spec script, which was okay. an office spec script. I took like an online TV writing class. And right. I wrote a half hour uh, office spec script, and it was okay. it was good. It was. Do you do you remember what the plot of your office spec script? Was? <laughs> I do, <laughs> I do. It was Michael was taking everybody to a like the um, the local like putts and stuff, you know, like okay. miniature golf and laser tag sure. and stuff like that. Um, and that that was basically the the story of it. And then there was like obviously Jim and Pam and. Well, Dwight sure. and Jim and you got your A story, your B story, your C story. Yep, I did all the stuff. Nice. Um, <laughs> and, so you learned all your formats. You learned yeah. your like you know interior thing, and then you your log lines and. Yep. I yeah. I mean, I um, yes. That's where I started to do it. Had I written a screenplay before that? I might have written a screenplay before that, actually. Okay. I think I did. I wrote. I took a screenwriting class too. So I okay. obviously had interest. In this stuff, yeah. you know, and it was something again that I could do. Nobody could. I didn't have to wait for someone to give me an opportunity to write the stuff. You know what I mean? Did you feel the like the the format? Like I I, I found uh, on some stuff that when I was familiar with the stuff, like I could write us like a Star Trek spec, no problem. Oh yeah, because like I feel the beats of yeah. it. But I tried to write a Mad Men, and I was like, I don't know where I am. Right? Yeah. Like. Because like the rhythms of it were so different yep. that I couldn't do it. Did you when you when you sat down to do like because as opposed to the screenplay, which can be ninety percent yours. Like there's 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 the format, you know, basically interior coffee shop day mm -hmm, that stuff. Mm -hmm. But for a for to do a, a spec of somebody else's stuff, you were writing in in kind of in someone else's voice and in a very rigid format. I loved it. I actually really loved oh, okay. it. I mean, I okay. I got that, that, yeah, I needed to look up that. Ah, so then you are like me. You just like, <laughs> you gave me four walls, I'll, I'll fill it well, up for you. And what I loved about it is I was a true fan of the show. And so yeah. I, what I loved about it is it was so easy for me to write those characters because right. I knew them so well. Yep. Um and I, that's probably one of the few shows that I did know that well that I could really successfully write a spec. Again, I have the same issue with one hour. I'm, I don't understand yeah. the whole six act structure <laughs> yes. at all. It, it's, it's, it's so daunting, which is crazy because I actually now, later in my life, like 
I've actually watched probably more drama than I do comedy. And yet I still don't inherently understand that six act structure. And I also, you're not going to believe this with all my sketch experience. And I also have a tough time writing multicam. Oh, I don't know interesting. Why. See, I feel like you have a sitcom in you. Oh, I would love it. I would love nothing more. I probably should be writing sitcoms. Like I, I what yeah. I what I'm really good at is jokes. Yes. I think you would be better as a for a single cam. Yeah. Kind of show. Yeah. You know, like as opposed to a Big Bang Theory. Yeah, I think that's right. Like I think yeah, I think cuz cuz I think that's I think that I think you could do a lot more because you can also pause. That's the, you know, yes. the modern three camera thing. I was watching an episode of Night Court and there was like a, I was like watching it. It's a 22 minute episode or whatever. And I was like, there's been like six minutes since there's been a laugh. This is amazing. Right? I mean, like they got into some stuff and I was like, they could never do this now. Right. I know. And I because it has to be joke, 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 joke. And I love comedy that really does awkward pauses. Yeah. Like I, and you're right. You can't do that in multicam. It's no, interesting. Not a lot of the great there's a lot of great films from the 70s, too. Like I just did this movie that is kind of was inspired by the big chill on so, oh. so many levels. That was one of my favorite movies as a kid which is such a weird movie for a kid to love. Like, right? Was I not a freak? I was a freak. I would have watched that movie anytime it was on. It was grownups talking about really personal, intimate things and kissing and loving each other. And did, did we talk about this? I was like, it, no? it was just cha- life-changing for me watching grownups behave in, in, in that way. And then also yeah. I just loved the dark, dark, dark comedy of it and the the friendships. I just loved it. So... I, but I rewatched that movie when I was about to direct this one going, gosh, I, I, I should watch the big chill because it's been in the back of my mind this whole time. And the opening yeah. credits of that movie, I was like, oh my God, it's 35 minutes and we're just getting to the funeral. <laughs> and, and I love it. It's, I mean, it, it's amazing. Yeah. I was it, like, cause you had talked about how Top Gun had to, you know, sort of changed your life, like put you on the, oh, yeah. that path of like. So I just took my daughter because Top Gun is, is is in theaters right yep. now. Like they're doing a thing. And we went and watched it. And I was like, this is movie is so simple. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, because you think of it as Top Gun. But I'm like diners and and like, you know, and, and sweaty place. Everyone's sweating constantly and, uh, and a yeah. bunch of stock footage. And like and I'm just, it's, I, I look, I'm like, this movie is so unbelievably simple. And it's also the stakes of it are. Will the really awesome pilot who has a really awesome pilot job get to do more awesome piloting? <laughs> but but somehow, like Tony Scott takes all this like this really simple story, really basic filmmaking and made something amazing out of it. Like I it was I was so su- surprised by how small it seems for a, a giant movie. Oh, I know. But they're also beautiful. Who cares? I mean, it really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> know, know your audience. Right. I mean. Right. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh God, yeah, that that. Well, that beach volleyball scene really changed me as a twelve-year-old. I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> like oh, um, yeah, I know. It, it, again, those really simple stories. Those like the the character-driven yeah. stuff. You know, yeah, loved it. Yeah. Um. So I yeah. So I was. Sorry, I didn't mean more. to derail that. It's just like I remembered. I remember no. I wanted to talk to you about Top Gun before we got away. All right. So when you 
was it an idea that came to you that like the, like I want to do this as a web series or anything, or was it that you there was something out there that you were like I could do that? Um, you do you mean with dropping the soap or just like in general? Yeah, with oh. dro- yeah with, with dropping. The, I mean, like you 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 already been thinking stuff. You already been writing stuff. Yep. You had your spec script. I had my spec script, and I. Uh, bef- so were you campaigning to be to write then to it, or were you sort you of know like, I had, like having it shop I around? I had co-written a screenplay, and by that time I had gotten I okay. had gotten a writing agent. So I I oh, did okay. get a writing agent. Wow, you you had quite a team by this point. Yeah, I did. I mean, um, so I got I got a writing agent with my co-writing partner. Uh, okay, and. and- is, is there a different process for getting a writing agent than there is for the other ones? Or is it just the same thing like they, they read your, your spec, they read your screenplay, and they go, yeah, you got some, it, you got the moxie, kid. It is a different process, kind of. Like, part of it is you have to get lucky. You have to find the, well, the sure. right person who's willing to read the script. But the truth is, this was, um, we had a friend who was wanting to produce, and and okay. um, my friend Jennifer and I had written the script that she really liked, and so she optioned our script, and then she introduced oh. us to the man who would become our writing agent. Um, okay. Because she—I don't even know why she was working with him, or she knew him from other projects she'd done. And she was like, she sent him the script, and he loved the script. So it was—it was one of those like, oh, that's how it works. It's kind of what I always thought was going to happen with acting, like, oh, somebody will come see a show, right. and da, 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 you know, it was, they'll see how brilliant you are. Kind like that's how it happens, right? Yeah. Somebody sees your work and <laughs> right. they go, "Hey, you're good. Let me let me take yeah. a chance on you." And so, and when he has a script like that that he can send out and get meetings for us, then that's that's what he that's what they need. They need that they need that piece of material that excites them so much that they're going to send it out to people and always get good responses and people read the script and go, "Ooh, I want to meet with them." So Right. So when it's when it's option, like in this particular case, does does money change hands or is it just like someone has like sort of planted a flag? Um, money usually does change hands. Not always. Sometimes okay. people option a script for a dollar. Okay. Sometimes people option for a hundred dollars. Sometimes people option sure. for five thousand. It's it's really, you know, it it depends on who it is and what your relationship is and how badly you want that. We can't all be Joe Esterhouse. Right. Exactly. Um, inside joke just for the writers <laughs> exactly uh yeah so it's it really depends like you know she was a friend of ours and we were brand new writers and you know i think mm-hmm. i think maybe when when she renewed the option she paid a little bit of money um okay. i don't I just, I, see, I don't I, i'm just curious to how the process works you, I, like, so you, don't, you don't have to you don't have to show me your bank statement oh yeah um i mean it was fifty thousand dollars i probably shouldn't say that on the air no um that's yeah. No, sometimes you get paid, sometimes you don't. But like, I mean, I think sure. the fancier you are, like anything, probably, right? If you're like the best plumber in town, you can charge a little more for yeah. like a, a snake. <laughs> yeah. So that was what the case was for us is like we were we were just starting. So. Um, so, yeah. At, at what point does the note process begin then? Like, like, hey, we your script is fantastic. It's brilliant. It's perfect. Like now we're an option it. But I have some notes. I got to tell you, for anybody who wants to be a writer, yeah, the notes process is beginning now, 
and it uh-huh. will always be happening, and it will never end until your thing has been shot and is in the can. And even then, people will try to rewrite it or tell you what you should have done differently. It never yep. ends. I swear to God. And although you might have these glamorous kind of ideas about like, well, I get back, I get paid. I mean, if you're super fancy, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, fancy. Charlize Theron is not going to come in and do ADR without you paying her, right? actors on my movie are probably going to come into my booth and do ADR, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but like there comes a certain time when you don't have to get paid for where where you get paid for every breath you take and every, you know, every time you do anything on behalf of a production, they have to pay you. But, but writers, this, this is the one advantage of the theater is that there is a, a point where it's done. Yeah. That, like, they basically say, like, okay, the script is locked. That's great. And you cannot change it from then on through the end of time unless you do, you know, make special dispensation. That's true. That that is the thing. However, you still have to go through the notes process, and I've had to go through that a couple of times, too. Right? Yeah. And it's brutal. And, you know, when I wrote my first office spec, it's so interesting. I wrote uh, my first, like, the first, the opening, you know, the the cold open. Mm -hmm. I wrote... A goddamn joke that I thought was so funny. I mean, <laughs> I loved it so much. It was a whole bit with Dwight and Jim. I, I have to go back and, and read what it was because I'm very yeah. curious now to know if it was as amazingly brilliant as I thought it was. And I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And I was so proud of this cold open. And I gave it to someone to read and she was like, eh, I think you'd do better with the cold open. And I was like, whatever, you're wrong. But, and but, but yeah. yeah. And then I gave it to somebody else and they're like, I love it. I found the cold open to be a little and I was like, what the fuck? And I <laughs> and I went to one of my dear friends and I was like, I, what is happening? Everyone is wrong. And she goes, Well, just write something else. I mean, don't you have any other <laughs> And I was like, Why should I have to write something else? It's the best thing I've ever written. And she goes, Well, don't you have any other ideas? And that is when I understood the notes process in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. And I became great at writing, at, at doing notes because I was like, oh, right. I can't just rely on my first idea to be my best. It might yeah. be my best, but I have to listen to the input, noodle it. I Now when I get notes, I get my notes. I try everything. And that way when I go back to them and I go either, I took your note worked. It was great. Led mm-hmm. me to this. Or I go, oh, yeah, that note didn't work. And let me tell you why. I tried it, but it came off like this, you know? Yeah. So it, I, I, I joined a, a screenwriting group uh, when, I, when I first moved out to Phoenix and they would do reading. So they'd have they, you. So in the room is our well, there's some directors stuff, too, but there are a bunch of writers and a bunch of actors because they do reading. So like basically they, they have chosen three or four scripts and then the actors go up and they, they it's it's kind of a cold read, even though some of them have had it for, you know, an hour or two hours, but it's, it's never like pre-prepared and they read it out and then they do a notes process. So like basically then all, you know, the, the writer gets up and then sits down, you know, sits in front of everybody wow. and all the other writers go, oh, I actually do. And so, and so that was amazing for me to learn because I got to watch someone get critiqued on their work in front of everybody and how they respond to it. Interesting. And so like, cause you never really, cause usually if you're a writer, like you have people doing it to you, but you never get to see it happen to someone else. Yeah. So I got to watch a variety of responses mm. of people getting 
super defensive. I mean, it's their work. I mean, like the, it's, it's some of these people have been writing their screenplay for a year, two years. Yeah. And now this is the first time it's anything has been out there. And they would get even hostile and just like, you're wrong. I mean, like they would get really strong. And I was like, oh, wow. Like and I just learned from that. So by the first time it happened to me where I did a reading for a, a play and I had all the actors and then some of the other uh, creative people around there giving me notes. And this one happened to be for youth theater. So I had like, you know, 15 year olds giving me notes on the script oh. and I had to be like, OK, I got to be cool here because like, like, you know, you just have to sit, you just have to, you have to just sit there and go, okay, that's interesting. And, and de defending it is not going to help you, you know, in the situation. So you'd be like, oh, uh, actually what you didn't understand was like, no, 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 they didn't understand. That's the whole point. Sometimes I would sort of make the point of, oh, what I was trying for was X, ah. but I, I didn't, I apparently I didn't get it. So, all right. And, but it was a very hard process to do to not be immediately defensive because that's my that's my child that's my baby i, I worked enslaved over All this right. but the the other part to think about is sometimes they'll give a suggestion which is horrible don't don't ever give a suggestion like that's not your job my job that's my job but to take the intention behind the suggestion like if like you're saying with your cold open if multiple people Say, oh, I have a little problem with this. There's something wrong with right. it. You don't know. You might not know what that is. But even if it's not what they think it is, like, oh, you need to scrap the whole thing. Like, no, but they have identified a problem area and you need to figure out what that problem is. But it was definitely a learned skill and it's not 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 an easy process ever. Oh, God. No, it isn't. And it really you got to take. Take a big bite of humble pie every time. Yes. But you know yes. what? It's that you're that you're not fantastic and brilliant because <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I'm doing this about me. But the the other thing that happened to me once the complete opposite of it is finished a reading and they said, Does anyone have any 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 notes, anything they want to talk about? And no one did. And I was like, Oh, this hurts almost as much. Because <laughs> I'm like, I know this is not brilliant. I know this is not finished. But like the fact that not one person had a note for me, I was like, oh, this. Yeah, this inspires oh, this, no this is, thought is, or yeah. conversation yeah. or. OK. No, no one even wants to say something nice. OK. OK. All right. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's I yeah. mean. So I've been on both sides of it's that. It's a total. It totally handles your ego right like i mean it's it's yeah. you really have to go god do writing i just heard tina fey on the smartless podcast and she was like writing oh. is no fun not fun ever until you are finished <laughs> when you are finished yes. with writing something and you've completed it then it's fun but the process up to that yes. point sucks and she hates it and she wants to quit every day. And I was like, yep, that sounds about right. Because, you know, like it takes a long yeah. time before you go, I I'm just going to do the best I can. Like I'm going to I can't get involved in whether or not this is amazing or like you just you learn to go, OK, is it furthering story? Is it makes sense? Is it, you know, yes. and you, you start to get yes. all those things where you can sort of filter people's opinions and critiques through that but it takes that takes so much time and then you're like i just spent it's so hard you do want a blue yeah. ribbon just for getting it done i think we should all get ribbons for getting it done but that's a you know yeah 
Yeah, that's that's what what Neil Gaiman said. You know, doesn't matter what you write, but you have to finish. Yeah, that is, and that's hard. Even just to be done, yes. But like, but but Tina Fey is right. What what a surprise! I'm sure the first person to ever say that. But like Paul Tompkins, I remember saying, having written is so much better than writing. Oh God! Now I do like parts of writing. Like when I get an inspiration or idea that I think is really funny or I come up with a joke that I'm like, oh, my God. Like I remember when I was writing Dropping the Soap, um, Patrick was Uh working in Albuquerque and I needed a name of a drug for a fake soap opera like hospital scene. And the the nurse had to talk about a fake drug. And I came up with (laughs) albuquestramine. And it still makes me good. giddy, like That's so good. excited, you know, when stuff like that happens, I'm like, oh, albuquestamine. And that just makes life worthwhile. Now, that was during the process. That was fun. It was fun at the table read when people read it and uh-huh. laughed. It was fun seeing it get shot. It's fun that it's there. Anybody gets <laughs> to see an albuquestamine, you know. So there's that was very rewarding along the way. Yeah, I, I agree. Every once in a while when when, when two characters start riffing. And you're just transcribing. Oh, so oh good. man, yeah, it's great. That's the good stuff. Where you're just like, man, I, I'm just glad to be in the room with you guys. Like I'm just as they're just going back and forth, and you're oh. just transcribing. Yes, it's so it's that weird. It's that weird thing. It's so fun. It's it's this weird. And I wonder what our relationship to this really needs to be like. There's there's all this like mm-hmm. ambition about being in the industry or getting our stuff. Like you do want it to be good. So there are things you have to consider, structure, and you do have to like learn from the greats and 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 you know follow some rules. But I also think like sure. God, you can kill so much of the fun too. <laughs> it has to be a healthy yes. balance of like I'm just transcribing and it is what it is, and and now let's make it into something that other people can stand to watch. You know? Yeah. That's the balance. Yeah, absolutely. It's the weird uh, collaboration part where you're just like, when when we finish, then the work begins. Oh yeah. You know, so it's like it's like yeah, you have a thing, but yeah, but it's, but unfortunately, it's not a novel. <laughs> you know, it's not like and print and stick it on the shelf. It's like oh no, it's just like it, you just congratulations. It's not a building. It's oh a God. blueprint. Right. It's. I mean, I'm. Yeah. You know, I've been doing this movie. Like I wrote it years ago and. There's the there's yeah. the all of it like it is a giant process and it, you go oh my god well I still want to make movies and the answer is yes but <laughs> I'm a crazy person for that because it's like so you pour your heart I must love the process because the fact that all this time and energy and I'm like would you like to watch my hour and a half opus but that's you know there's other things I've gotten to do things along the way that were that were very fun like I caught the writing bug for sure. After I did that office spec and then I started, I, I, I was in the zone where I could write and I wrote, co-wrote that screenplay with my friend Jennifer and then somebody else pitched me an idea mm-hmm. for a screenplay and I wrote that in like like three weeks I wrote it. like So I started writing kind of like a maniac and I loved it. I really loved it. And I wasn't trying to be successful with it necessarily. I was just writing it because I was like, I love mm-hmm. that story and ah! and having so much fun, you know? And that's where we're going to stop the conversation for today. Our chat continues next time as we'll talk about the writing process and get closer to Mandy stepping into the director's chair. If you'd like to hear more of Mandy's voice, she's got her very own podcast. It's called The Mand Cave, hosting collaboration with her friend Mandy Kaplan. You'll find it wherever the finest podcasts are found. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the next chapter in the Curiosity Codex, but there are still many pages left to decipher. 
We're part of the True Story FM family of podcasts. Find out more about us at truestory.fm. Our theme music is Intrusion by Severed Personality, a.k.a. Kevin McLeod. The voice of the Codex is Vicki Hall. Find her on the web at vickihall.squarespace.com. And my name is Kyle Olson. The Codex is closed for now. <laughs>